Thank you, choir. That was beautiful. You all seem really upbeat this morning. Let me see if I can bring you down a notch. <laughs> we got a good topic this morning. So I was, uh, I was here for the first service, kind of had to be, and I was greeting at the door. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Bargo sisters, um, two ladies, older ladies who've been at this church for a long, long time. Well, someone said to Susan, happy Mother's Day. Well, if you don't know them, they don't have biological children. But I love Susan's response. It was, thank you, I'm not a mother, but I've been a mother to so many. I want to acknowledge this morning that there are those of you who may feel the pain of not being able to give birth to children, and we recognize that. We don't know the pain, but we understand that you have it, and you're worth so much to the Lord. And you can be, indeed, a mother to so many. So we bless you and thank you as well today as everybody else. So we have our topic this morning, and it's uh, in our church series, and it's Mother's Day, so I'm not sure if this is horrible that these two things came together or a blessing. Women in the church and Mother's Day. I had two titles prepared. One was, she's not chopped liver, she's prime rib. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But that's not what's in your bulletin. It's what about her? Why'd you pick that one? Well, because that one sounds a little bit like, well, what about her? Almost like a, an offhanded comment. And we want to address that today because a lot of women in the church and in family life feel sometimes like second-class citizens. And men, we have to understand that, that sometimes the roles that we have as men and women put weight on us that's sometimes hard to bear. And I think we need to acknowledge that for our ladies. Um, my wife, uh, I don't like to pick on my wife, but she's the only one I have, so I will pick on her. Um, you know, I've talked to her about this many times, and she says, yeah, it does, it does feel like we're being penalized uh, at, at something we might be gifted at, and it is true. So we're going to tackle that this morning. We're not just going to talk about mothers this morning. We're going to talk about women in the church and women in the family, not just mothers, we are gonna talk about mothers, but women in general. So before we do that, I think it's important enough that we go to prayer and just ask the Lord to be with us this morning. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this day. This is a day where we celebrate the beauty of women, the beauty of mothers. Be with us, clear our minds and our hearts and just fill us with your precious Holy Spirit. Lord, let us just see what the scripture has to say and help us, Lord, to embrace it this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So, a lot of times when I preach, I'm, I'm redundant, and I, I say at the end, and I, I, I usually say, we're letting our culture down. We're letting our next generation down. And today, I'm gonna say it up front instead of at the end. But our culture is letting us down. You know, we're gonna to talk today about the role of women in the church and in the family. And I gotta tell you, it is probably more important to talk about it now than ever before. When the role of women in our society is being decimated, it is being torn up, it is being trashed, it is being spit upon, because we're living in a culture where we are not recognizing the difference between the role of a man and the role of a woman. And it's gone so far as to the point where we're not recognizing the physical differences even between a man and a woman. And that is horrible, church. 
because there's beautiful things in being a man and there's beautiful things in being a woman and God has made the two one so that we could express those characteristics and bring life and health and goodness to this world. But when we eradicate those differences, we destroy God's ideal. And so I ask you to maybe look at this a little differently and maybe embrace it more willingly this morning that the differences that God has put in place are there for a reason. And as we see them unraveling in society, maybe we need to hold these truths dear to our heart and embrace them and not say, I feel left out. So I hope to get there by the end, women, where you know how blessed you are and what an incredible role you have. All right, so let's get to it. Let's get into the scripture. We're gonna to go to a lot of scripture today and we will be five to 10 minutes long this morning, but I feel it's important. I won't be able to answer every question. We will move rapidly through the first couple slides until we get to meat of the sermon. So here we go. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. You are neither male nor female, hmm, you are all one in Christ. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. So I just told you we're gonna talk about the different roles of men and women in the church and in society and in families. What on earth does Paul mean here in Galatians when he says that in Christ there is no male and female? Church, what he means there is that in the blessings of Christ, in the heirship of Christ, in the things that we will inherit as being Christ, men and women, when they go to glory, will receive exactly the same benefits. Exactly the same. No difference. In fact, in heaven, there is neither marriage nor giving in marriage. We are one and we will be blessed the same way. So what do you mean there's different roles? Well, we are not to glory yet, church. We are not seeing Christ face to face yet. For a time, we must have roles. Now, is there an example of this in scripture where there's equal value of the persons, yet there's different roles. I think I just gave it away, the persons. If we look at the Trinity Church, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are they equal in value? Yes, but do they have different roles? And actually, different subordinations. Church, who is the Son subordinate to? The Father, willingly so. He submits to the will of the Father. Who is the Holy Spirit submissive to? Both the Father and the Son. There are verses in the Bible which show submission to the Father and the Son who sends the Holy Spirit. So roles, definition and defining of roles does not necessarily mean less value. But at the fall there was some penalty, but let's start before that, and look at how the Bible values women. The prophetess Huldah, she was so well respected by Israel that one of the gates of the temple wall, the southern wall of the temple, was named after her. 
Deborah was a prophetess, a judge of Israel. One of the, she was the only judge of Israel, and she judged both spiritual and legal dealings in Israel. Queen Esther saved Israel from destruction. Lydia was a successful businesswoman. Joanna, whose husband, Trusa, and Herod's administrator, Susanna, and many other women, they provided financial support for Jesus. And so did other women, we're told in Scripture, supported the ministry of Jesus Christ and his apostles financially. It came from women. Two books of the Bible were named after women, Ruth and Esther. That's great, right? But what about the other stuff? If God thinks so highly of women, what about this? It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. Are you saying that women can't be elder pastors of the church? Well, indeed we are. And I hope that's not a shock to you, especially those of you who joined the church this morning. This is something that we teach here and we won't change it until the women let us, all right? I know, that wasn't a good joke. We are a church that is a complementarian church. What does that mean? That's a theological term. It means that men and women are equal in substance, but we have different roles. And like two puzzle pieces, by fulfilling those roles, we form a beautiful picture, all right? So we believe that we're equal, but we have different roles. The difference in those roles comes from two things. When God created Adam and Eve, he set up roles, and after the fall, those roles became a little bit more strict. And you'll see what I mean by that. Listen to this, church. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. So not only can a woman not be a pastor in the church, a woman's not permitted to teach men in the church. Now, I am going to have to, before, so I can walk out of here on two legs, I want, to make a, I want to make a comment about the word quiet here. It means not in a quarrelsome nature. A woman can't be argumentative or usurp the authority of her husband or of the teaching authority in the church. Women have to be calm, peaceable, because this used to be a theory, but now it's been proven that in this day and age, when the women were given more rights in the church coming out of Judaism and other religions, they were becoming more rambunctious in church services. So Paul says, no, you, gotta, you gotta not quarrel, you gotta, not, you gotta permit your men to lead and teach, but you, you have to be calm and you have to not challenge them and, and do things that are embarrassing. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. So just as this church is structured, that elders, pastors, were subject to Christ, the wife is subject to the leadership of the husband. So we're talking about church and family. Now you are not subject to any other man the same way you are subject to your husband. Let's get that clear. A man can't come into my wife and say, I want you to do thus and so, and she's supposed to hop to it and do it. No, that man will have trouble with her husband. That's me. All right. But why? 
Just as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be subject to their husbands in everything. We're going to find out why in just a minute. But I always have to have the caveat here is that, that in everything, that in everything, we clearly teach here and want you to know that a wife does not have to submit to abusive behavior. We do not expect that. We would not want you to do that. And we will never support that. You need to be subject to your husband as best that you can, as long as it doesn't violate the word of God, nor put you in danger. All right? All right? We are not overboard with this. And that's not what Paul means by everything. And it's clear from other passages. So why the limitations? Why is this the case, John? Why, why are we limited at church? And why are we submissive at home? Well, it goes back to the order of creation. This is before the fall. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So wives, you are a helper to your husband. I'm just trying to see some wives' faces. You are a helper. That's why you were created. So Adam needed a helper that was suitable for him, and God created woman. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. Again, I explained to you what that meant briefly. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. This goes back before the fall. The structure of our male femaleness was established before the fall. Adam was formed first and Eve was taken from Adam. God formed Adam out of the dust of the earth. Eve was taken from Adam and Eve was created to be a helpmate to Adam. The man was formed first and then Eve. It's the order of creation. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man and the man is the head of a woman. And God is the head of Christ. Every man who has something on his head while praying or prophesying, prophesying disgraces his head. But every woman who has her head uncovered while praying or prophesying disgraces her head. For she is one and the same as the woman whose head is shaved. For a man ought not to have his head covered since he is the image and glory of God. The man is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. This is where the ladies get a little frustrated. Man is the image and glory of God, therefore we pray with our head uncovered open up to God. The women are the glory of man, thus she practices submission to the man in faith and practice. This is just how it was. It's the order of creation. This wasn't the result of sin. Man is responsible for the care and loving of the woman, and the woman is responsible for lovingly submitting to the man. The order of creation continues, for man does not originate from woman, but woman from man, for indeed man was not created for the woman's sake, but woman for the man's sake. I don't know how that feels, because I'm a man. But I know that that must somewhat feel awkward to the woman. But I put this to you, church, if you are the lovingest man you can be, and if you are submitting to your wife in love and making her life heaven on earth, she will submit far more willingly, and she will feel far more neglected by passages like this than she needs to. Because there is mutual submission 
But I don't want to cover that and say, ah, we both have to submit. This is indeed hard for the woman because she is the helpmate of the man. She is to come alongside like those two puzzle pieces and help me fulfill my role, which we'll touch on just briefly. All right, why the limitations? Well, there were consequences from the fall. So the order of creation was man, woman, woman helping man fulfill his role. Man loving woman enough to help her fulfill her role. For it was Adam who was first created and then Eve, and it was Adam who was deceived. It was not Adam who was deceived, uh, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. All right, let me reread that because I messed it up. For it was Adam who was first created and then Eve, and it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression or sin. All right, church, here we go. So Eve did indeed sin first. She listened to the wiles of the devil and he said, surely you can eat from this tree. And she said, all right, I'll eat from the tree. I have to ask you a question though. If she is responsible for the first transgression, why on earth does Paul in Romans hold Adam responsible for the first transgression? If you read the book of Romans, it is Adam who is the committer of the first sin. It is Adam who brought sin into the world. It is Adam who is responsible for the sin. I should rephrase it more clearly. It is Adam, Adam who's held accountable. Why is that, church? Why is that? Well, because Adam was the head of Eve. Adam was the head of Eve. So when Eve ate the forbidden fruit and she said to Adam who was with her, here, eat the forbidden fruit from the tree that we're not supposed to eat the forbidden fruit from. He didn't say in his leadership and his wisdom, let's repent and go before the Lord and ask for forgiveness. He said, okay, I'll eat. He gave up his headship. He gave up his leadership. He willingly gave up the role that he was created for and said, all right, so he is responsible for sin. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. So Eve got a punishment here. And it's that her pain in childbirth would increase so much so that she would know what it feels like when her husband has a headache. All right. No, my wife's shaking her head. No, that's should have kept that one in the left pocket maybe. I don't know. Because men are whiners if you didn't get it. Women can put up with so much pain, but men, they get a headache. They're, they're in bed for three days. All right. So, so God increased women's pain through childbearing. But he says, your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. That desire will not come to fruition. Your desire will be to rule over your husband. Your desire will be to take control, but you will not be allowed to do that. He will rule over you. But what was Adam's punishment? Adam was gonna have thorns and thistles when he worked the land. Men, how many of you are working the land? Besides Mr. Farrow, put your hand down. How many of you are out there working the land? Yeah, yeah, Zach Dittmar and family are working the land, producing 
the land and produce that good fruit because they're keeping those thorns and thistles and bugs and insects out of the way. So let's go a little bit metaphorical here. Adam's punishment was that he would work the land, he would tend the garden outside of the garden. Now the garden was the world, right? They were cast out of the the garden that they were supposed to take care of, but now he's gonna garden in the world and he's gonna bring good fruit. But in order to do that, he's gonna have thorns and thistles. It's gonna be hard work for this man to fulfill his role. Metaphorically, church, it's hard for the man to take up the mantle of leadership. It's hard for a man to tend the garden of his family and his wife and his children and his church. Because when the woman wants it, it's almost like the man doesn't. And when he tries to do it, he will feel like he's battling uphill and he's fighting thorns and thistles and he's struggling. But that's where the wife has to come in and make it easier for the man to do it. Make it easy, submission. The wife fulfills her duty as the man fulfills his duty and those puzzle pieces come together because they're both struggling. They're both having difficulty with this created order now that things have gotten so much worse in the world. But there's another reason why these limitations are in place, church, and I wanna bring this out, and this is really important. I'm gonna go back so you don't read ahead. Do you believe that the world is just temporal and not spiritual? No, John, we don't, that's why we're a church. Okay, great, thank you. Do you believe that there's a spirit world and there's angels and demons watching you? Do you believe they're trying to learn from you? What are they trying to learn? What do they got to learn? They're smarter than you. They've been around forever. Let's find out. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for you. Oh, I just, I'm sorry. Did I just read that? I'm sorry. I, 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 I put it back so you couldn't read ahead, and here I am reading it. All right, so. <laughs> foiled by my own plans, Pastor Rosetti. Those crazy kids. All right. As to the salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. So the prophets have been predicting the sufferings of Christ, how humanity would be saved through these sufferings and how the glories to follow after his resurrection. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. So this gospel has been preached to you by the prophets. The gospels have been preached to you through the word of God. And the angels long to look into this whole gospel deal. Why? Why, church? Why do the angels care what's going on down here? And why do they care to look at this gospel or this Christ or the sufferings of this Christ that have been preached since the foundation of the earth? Why do the angels give two hoots about it? For I think God has exhibited us apostles last of all as men condemned to death because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and men. The apostles were called fools by men and they laid themselves bare before men and they said, yeah, we know to you we're fools, but we lay ourselves bare to you and to the angels as we preach this gospel because we know the angels are watching. 
Why? Why are they watching? For man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. For indeed, man was not created for the woman's sake, but woman for the man's sake. Therefore, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. The angels are looking into the woman's submission to the man and the man's submission to Christ. Why, church, would angels be looking into such things? Why do the angels care about how we're following through with our submissive roles? Husbands to wives, wives to husbands, women in the church, women in the family. Well, church, maybe it's because angels had a little bit of problem with this thing called submission. Maybe it's because that a third of the heavenly angels followed Satan who refused to submit and they followed him as they refused to admit, submit to God. Maybe they're looking into this to learn something about what it means to be obedient to God. What it means to submit to God and the fruit that's born out of submission as opposed to the fruit that's born out of opposition to his will. But the angels long to look into how we're submitting one to another. You know why, church? Because they want to know what you're doing with this gospel that has been proclaimed to all the authorities in heaven. They want to know, have you accepted the gospel? You, you, know what, you know what Jesus said, and I know I've taught on this before, but before he died, he wanted to wash the disciples' feet before he was crucified, before the Last Supper. And Peter said, no, no, Lord, no, I won't have you submit to me. But he said, Peter, if you don't learn the lesson here, if you don't learn the lesson of foot washing, you cannot have a part of me. If you don't learn the lesson of submission, you cannot be mine. You cannot be one of mine because I'm here in a submissive role to teach you that the heart of love is submission. The heart of love is submission. Do you have a messed up marriage, church? It's because you're not submitting one to another. You're not fulfilling your roles. The man as the spiritual leader and lover of his family and the wife submissively submitting to that leadership and not usurping that authority and being a woman of grace and beauty. If you're being selfish, those puzzle pieces get ripped apart. But Jesus Christ says, if you want a part of me, wash feet. Wash feet. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what, what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ our Lord. People, what happens in the church is being witnessed by the heavenly authorities. They want to know what we're doing. They want to know how we're submitting, how we're loving, how we're leading, how we're behaving, how we're practicing the faith, how we're living out the gospel, how we're washing the feet of those we're here to serve. I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. 
There's joy, the angels celebrate. That brother, that sister learned the lesson of submission by watching Jesus Christ to submit to the cross. Now that brother, that sister declares, I will take up my submissive cross daily. He tells us to take up our crosses daily, church. But what are the blessings of being a woman? All right, I said all that to say this. Women are great. Got one of my own. <laughs> First thing I saw her, I took her home. No. The savior of the world was born of a woman. Women, why are you so great? Because through you, through you who give life, through women, the blessings of the Savior came. They couldn't come through a man. We say Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. Mary and God, the Holy Spirit coming upon Mary, a woman. That's incredible. That's an incredible blessing, women. Whether you can bear children or not, you are of the kind that bear children. You are not of the mankind. You are blessed to be of the kind that can bear the savior of the world. Now the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Pastor John touched on this. We didn't compare notes before. This is before the fall. Eve was the mother of all living, all the living. That's pretty impressive that women are the mothers of all those that live. Now, which t-shirt would you rather have? Mother of all living or I can teach men in adult Sunday school? I'm going with the mother of all living t-shirt. I don't know. I don't know. That's just me. But women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. All right, so what does that mean? It's not about Jesus. It's not that women will be saved through the birth of the Savior, but that's a great blessing. This is future tense. Women will be preserved through bearing of children. So this is future tense from Paul's time after the birth of Christ. They will be preserved. It doesn't mean that they will always live through childbearing. We know that some women pass away during childbearing, so that's not what he means. But women will be saved, preserved, made whole through the bearing of children. Women, the slight that you feel by being submissive to your husband or being submissive to church elder leadership can be and should be counteracted by your ability to be the mothers of all human life. That is a privilege that men don't have. Despite appearances, I will never have a child. You don't, you, you don't have to groan. I'm, I'm comfortable with it. I'm a happy man. I'm a happy man. I will never know, I will never know the beauty of having a baby taken during birth and placed on my chest and hold that little baby for the first time and look at those little fingers and know that this came from my womb. I will never know that, neither will any man in this room. I don't care what the newspapers say. No man will experience that. And you know, women are different. Paul, an apostle of Christ, 
Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which was first, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well, Timothy. Why do I have this up here? Is Abby here from the New Believers class? Abby, you here? All right, hello, Abby. So we have a New Believers class. And before I gave this message, I wanted to talk to a lot of women about how they feel about these restrictions. And I brought up in the New Believers class, do you feel slighted because you can't do X or Y? And young Abby, who's a teenager, said, no, because women create a legacy. Women have generational impact. I'm, I'm, I'm rephrasing what she exactly said, but she said to me, I feel whole because women have a generational impact. And that is so true, church. And Paul says it here, your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, Timothy, they produce something in you that is a blessing that only, only mothers have the ability sometimes to produce in a certain way because fathers tell, moms model, moms demonstrate. You, you feel the love and nurturing of mom. You feel the difference between dad's hard hands and mom's soft heart. You feel that difference and as you grow up, you learn lessons about life. My mother was not saved when she raised me, and I learned more about sacrificial love and giving from watching that woman than I ever learned from any Christian. Because she would give anybody the shirt off her back, and her children, she would give her life. And I learned. Because there's a difference between men and women, isn't there, church? And they're good differences. When a man sees an ugly baby, what does he say? That's an ugly baby! What does a woman say? Oh, that's the cutest little. Did you get a good look at that baby? <laughs> We're different. We're different. The women want to coddle children. What do men say? Let me see how high I'll fucking throw that sucker. Let me see how high the ceiling I'll throw that sucker. That's a good 20 pounds. I can get him up to the hill. <laughs> We're different. And we're made differently. We should embrace these differences because it's beautiful and it's what the Lord wants. Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? No. In general, I know there's exceptions, but in general, women are compassionate and loving and show mercy to their children. The mercy of Christ in our regard. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. This is so important, not only because Israel rejected Jesus as he came in triumphantly and he looked over Jerusalem, but Jesus here describes himself as a woman, as a mother. How many times would I have gathered you, Israel, as a mother hen gathers her chicks? Why? because he was trying to convey the sincerity and deepness and tenderness of his love for a people. And how do you do that? By describing the love of a mother. How many times would I have brought you under my wings like a mother? Because I feel, this is, this is a poem. I'm ending on this. So Bear, I know we're over, I, I, I thank you. This is a poem. Because I feel that in the heavens above, the angels whispering to one another, 
can find among their burning terms of love none so devotional as that of mother. So the angels, when they're whispering to themselves up in heaven because they're watching everything, they can find no better term for love than the word mother. Women, you are not second-class citizens. You should proudly be who you are. The mother of all living, from whom the Savior came, the women who God made to model his love and his tenderness and his mercy and his grace, you have been chosen to fulfill a role that all heaven is watching. But men, so have you. You gotta make it easy for them. You gotta make it easy for them to submit to you. You gotta be a man that loves, that learns, that washes feet. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the ladies in our life. We thank you for women. We thank you for mothers. We thank you for those women who can't be mothers. We thank you for their beauty. We thank you for their grace. We thank you that you did make them different than us. And Lord, we speak loudly that we do not want those distinctions done away with. We love the differences between men and women. And we love that you have created these differences. And this morning, church, we embrace them. And we say, thank you, mothers. Thank you. Amen. Hey, men, let's give our mothers and women standing ovation. Come on, standing O. Come on, men. Get up. Get up. All right. All right. Now go out and show the love to these women today. Treat them like the angels would. Have a great day.